Uh, there's a video of Trey Lance making it rain at a strip club, and people are in an uproar about that because the Niners lost. I will say, haven't seen him do it. The bills were distributed inaccurately all over the place, so that's Trey Lance. But like I said earlier, if you're a young guy, a quarterback, good-looking, ton of money, I'd be disappointed if you didn't make it rain at a strip club. But when you draft a quarterback in the first round, what are the odds are it turns out good? Let's look at the last couple drafts. 2021, uh, skip 2022, too early to say. And there was only one drafted in the first round anyway. Kenny Pickett of this parish. 2021, Trevor Lawrence, he's been meh. Zach Wilson, not good. Trey Lance, crap. Justin Fields, mostly crap. Mac Jones, decent. 2020, Joe Burrow, excellent. Tua, meh. Justin Herbert, excellent. Jordan Love, a waste of a pick. Uh, I'm not saying don't do it. You got to do it at some point. You got it. You got to take a quarterback in the first round, and he's going to be your guy. Every team does it practically. But what are the odds of success? And by extension, what are the odds of Pickett succeeding? The odds of Pickett being what's needed. And what about being drafted by the wrong team? Like if you get drafted by Jacksonville, the Jets, or Chicago. If I were quarterback got drafted by Jacksonville, the Jets, or Chicago, I'd pull a John Elway. I'd pull an Eli Manning. I just would refuse to go. A lineman is definitely a, a, a much safer bet in the first round. And uh, the Steelers could certainly use one of those, a first-round lineman. But continue with this quarterback thing. Look at Trey Lance. Played small college football. He only started 18 games total in college. Only started one in his final collegiate season due to injury. You trade two first-round picks and a third-round pick just to move up to get him. You try and ditch a quarterback who got you to a Super Bowl. The Niners couldn't have played that worse. You'd have to be nuts. And they brought Jimmy G back. Now they're getting cold feet. They just didn't need to make that pick. They didn't need to take Trey Lance. They'd have been better off riding out with Jimmy G and using that first-round pick to get someone else who could help. Much like Ben Roethlisberger said the Steelers should have done when they drafted Mason Rudolph, although, obviously, that was just a third-round pick. This segment brought to us by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is Pittsburgh's hometown sportsbook. Bet now from anywhere. I like that tagline. Bet now from anywhere. I'd like to bet that Donnie Iris kills the national anthem to, uh, on Sunday at Acrisure. Absolutely kills it. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Maybe I should go see Elton John tonight. Scalp a ticket. Although it's tough to do with the tickets being almost all digital now. That that really hurt the scalpers' business. They need paper tickets. And that, you know, I, I respect scalpers. They provide a needed service. I'm a big fan of scalpers, in particular the Pittsburgh scalpers. But everything digital these days. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I should go to Elton John. I'm, I'm at Rivers Casino. And Elton John's at PNC Park, so I'm going to be caught in in Elton John traffic anyway. I don't know, probably probably just eat at the steakhouse here, Martirano's. 
that would make for a lovely evening. Or maybe go to the sports bar. Are there any good games on tonight? Pirates, no, forget about it. I'm watching soccer right now. That'll be over by then, obviously. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I'm curious to see how the Steelers come out defensively without T.J. Watt. I would hope they don't have the boo-boo face, but they know. They know that Watt is a gratuitously important part of that defense. They know they can't possibly be as good without him as they are with him. They know they were 0-4-1 last year with him not in the lineup or with his play compromised during a game due to injury. They know all that. So I'm curious to see if they come out aggressive. Wolf had a real good idea. Switch Highsmith to the other side to try to create a favorable matchup for him. If you wanted to be Batman after being Robin, you've got to give him full use of the Batmobile. I have no idea what that means, but I like what Wolf said about giving him the favorable matchup. Uh, you know, Reed's always done okay. I'm curious to see how Jameer Jones does because as of right now, he's the number three edge rusher. And the Steelers do like Jameer Jones. For absolute certain, they like Jameer Jones. So we'll see how it goes at edge rusher. We'll see if they blitz more. Blitzed only nine times last week. A lot of variables. And even more variables with T.J. Watt's sideline. And working at Primanti's. I give Primanti's credit. I love Primanti's in the first place. They never miss a chance to inject themselves into Pittsburgh's pop culture. Never miss a chance, and in this case, offering T.J. Watt a job and getting him to respond. I mean, T.J.'s going to have a lot of free time the rest of his football career because I guarantee he's going to be hurt all the time. He's brittle. He got to the same point his brother did, now he's brittle. You watch. I called it. It will keep happening again and again. Happened last year. Happening this year as well. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. L.A. Chargers lost last night to Kansas City, three-point game. Herbert got whacked in the ribs, and he kept playing. I love that guy. You know, I picked the L.A. Chargers to win the Super Bowl, and people on Twitter, ah, there's your team, fat ass. I, I didn't pick them to go 17-0 in the regular season. And uh, before the year, if you would have told me they would lose at Kansas City, I would say, boy, it would be nice if they didn't, but I bet they do because Kansas City's real good too. That division... I mean, it wouldn't shock me if a team like Vegas or Denver went like 5-12 and 12 because of the rigors of being in that division. Somebody tweeted, Aaron Judge is on a loaded team. Shoei Otani's not. He, Otani should be MVP. Well, if Otani had made the Angels into a division contender, even a playoff team, I'd give that consideration. But they're like, you know, 20-some-odd games under 500, And it's not like the Yankees and the Angels are the haves and the have-nots. The Yankees are the uh, number three payroll in baseball. I believe they trail the Dodgers and Mets. The Angels are the number 10 payroll in baseball. So they're way up there. They just signed the wrong guys. Otani's going to be a free agent. What, in two years? I bet they trade him before then. 
if I'm the Pirates, I put a package together. Get all the local sushi restaurants to pitch in. Bring NIL to MLB. That sounds like a plan. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. We got Arthur Motes at the bottom of the hour. I I made my bets already for the weekend. I, I bet on Fulham in the Premier League. They're losing, of course. I bet on Erling Haaland to score the first goal in Man City and Wolves tomorrow. And then I got the Steelers plus two. And I got under 40 and a half in Steelers and Patriots. And if you bet those games, I guarantee you will lose most of them because that's the way it's been going for me. But at 530, we'll have the man with the plan, the man who went 4-0 last week, Mr. Friday Afternoon, and like I said, Arthur Motes at the bottom of this hour. This is the Mark Madden Show at 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. That was an excellent commercial break because in that brief time, Fulham went from 1-0 down to 3-1 up. I bet on Fulham today, not emotionally invested beyond the dollar sign, but uh, that's what makes the River Sportsbook great, though. We got Aston Villa and Southampton on a, on a couple screens. I'm watching Fulham and Nottingham Forest on a computer. You got golf, you got tennis, you got a bunch of football shows, you got a great bar, you got food, you got everything to bet on. You could imagine, even today, in mid-afternoon on a Friday. So stop on down and check it out. I'm here till 6 o'clock. But the fun never stops because you can, what's the catchphrase up? Bet now from anywhere. Get her done right here at the River Sportsbook at the Rivers Casino on the north side, what side, north side. Uh, let's go to Brian. Brian, you're on with Double M. Good day. I said good day. Uh, I have a question um, about the, the quarterback situation and then hopefully a comment about the defense. Uh, my question is, what do people expect, the people that are calling for Pickett to start, what are they expecting that he's going to bring different in context to the offensive scheming and the offense in general that Trubisky isn't there? Brian, that's that's a real good point. And people aren't actively calling for Pickett to play right now because the Steelers won the first game. Uh, but uh, they just want the shiny new toy out there. I, I've been doing a lot of talk about how the Steelers like their shiny new toys. The Steelers have had a, a couple rotten drafts in the top two rounds the last two years. Not because the players were bad, but because of the context of the picks and, you know, what they needed as opposed to what they got. And what they got is shiny new toys. Uh, that said, I think Pickett can turn out to be a real good quarterback in the long run. But uh, let, let me run this by it because I talked about it yesterday. The way the Steelers are now with that super conservative game plan, which was one game. We don't know what it will be like this Sunday. But if they're going to dumb down the offense to that degree, I'd rather pick and have no part of it until they have better players where you can just go out there and open it up at least a little bit. Oh, I, I agree with you, but the expectations for having a, a rookie quarterback come in and push the ball down the field is not a realistic expectation for – anybody outside of a, a Patrick Mahomes or somebody that's been a phenom, like well, bringing no, him in. No, no, no. I mean, uh, we, we, we just reviewed the quarterbacks who have been taken in the first round over the last couple of years, well, specifically 21 and 20, and some worked out real good right away. Some did not. Like you pointed out, Kansas City made Mahomes wait a year, and then he was great guns when he got in. Uh, 
I think it's better to do what's best for the quarterback as opposed to do what's best for the team. Sometimes those coincide. Like when you do have a phenom, like you said, Brian. But I think right now taking it slow and easy with Pickett is is best for him and for the team, especially with them at 1-0. It's hard to demand change when when you're 1-0, isn't it? I agree. Um, my other comment I wanted to make about the defense, I think if, with this year, um, it's a small sample size, but I think with them being able to stop Nixon in the run, if there's going to be a, a, form, a, a format or a, an equation for them to be have life without T.J. Watt, this is it where you don't have to pack the box. You actually can have, you know, your defensive line, and if Bush plays like he did in week one and Miles Jack, you, you have the ability to stop the run, that you can play coverage in the back end and have a chance to, to tread water until you get somebody like T.J. Watt back. Well, let, let me, let me though, temper your enthusiasm for stopping the run. And they did do pretty good against Mix, and he only averaged, what was it, three yards per carry. But, boy, he was a fraction away from breaking some biggies, wasn't he? He definitely was, but I think, like I said, it's a small sample size of one game. Um, so who knows what this game's going to look like? And next week, like you've been, you know, communicating, like Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. That's going to be really interesting if they can keep that format. Well, in, here's the thing about stopping the run. In today's league, the pass is everything. Although there are some exceptions, like two in the division. I think Cleveland and. Uh, and uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, especially given that Watson isn't playing, I think they rely on the run an awful lot, don't they? But, but, uh, but even with other teams, even though they pass first, you still got to stop the run. Like last year, the Steelers were last in run defense, and it meant they wouldn't be nearly as good on pass defense, and it put them 24th in overall defense. I, I don't think you could suck at one facet of defense and uh, be great at the other. I think if you suck at one the best you could hope for at the other is mediocre, as we witnessed last year. Well, like like you said in the past, you have to roll Minka up and put him in the box, and then you're 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 a lot lighter on the back end too. Brian, they, they the were pass, doing so. that. They were doing that. They were doing that at Cincinnati. Minka made 14 tackles. Uh, thank you for the call. Really good call. I think the jury's still out on on where this defense is going to wind up. Uh, okay, up next, going to talk to former Steelers linebacker Arthur Motes. We are live at Rivers Casino at the Sportsbook. Best Sportsbook going, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. you got to be a big timer to get on this show. Double M, huge fan. Raise the Jolly Rancher. The X at 105.9. To me, the Steelers are looking straight down the barrel at 2-0 as New England visits Akershire on Sunday. Joining me now to talk about it, the effervescent former linebacker. Always great to talk to Arthur Motes. Arthur, uh... How is New England favored by two at Pittsburgh? I know they don't they're not predicting who wins. They're they're trying to affect who who bets what on, on who, but but I just can't believe Pittsburgh isn't favored. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm very shocked by this. I think this is part of the Patriots allure though. When you talk about Bill Belichick and just name recognition, people are gonna gravitate to Bill Belichick and Mac Jones a lot more than how we talk about Mitch Trubisky because obviously the uncertainty of who this fan base or who people want as a long-term quarterback I think plays a role into it but when you're watching both of these teams on tape burst uh, based off of what happened in week one I do not see how the uh, the Patriots are favored on the road in this matchup against the Steelers 
Well, here's the short answer, and it's probably so obvious I ignored it initially because T.J. Watt's not playing. They were 0-4-1 with T.J. out last year or his play compromised mid-game due to injury. How much will the Steelers miss him? No, of course they're going to miss him because he is what makes this defense have the chance to be elite. When you talk about his productivity, I mean, he's the reigning defensive player of the year. Even in the game that he just played in, we saw him have a sack, tackles for loss, interceptions. I mean, he is able to fill up the stat sheet in so many different ways. You're going to feel that loss. But at the end of the day, I still don't think minus T.J. Watt, this is still a matchup where you're looking at this and you're saying, man, the Patriots, they just they got the better team. The Patriots, man, this is their matchup right here. I still don't see that right now. Yeah, uh, I, I agree, but I, I do wonder if TJ being out will affect the way the Steelers play their approach. Will they still be ultra-aggressive, Arthur? Will this affect how anybody does their job? Will people move around at all? No, I do think that people will be affected by this because when you're talking about taking away your most dominant pass rusher, your most dominant player, it's going to be a ripple effect. When we're looking at Alex Heisman's productivity last week, well, it's a lot easier for him when he's not having that type of attention that a T.J. Watt draws. But now you're going to be saying, well, hey, going into this matchup, we're not worried about sliding protection to a T.J. Watt. We're not worried about putting extra tight end over there to help out against T.J. Now we're looking at Heisman and we're saying, hey, maybe that's the guy you're going to slide the protection to. Maybe that's the guy now that we're going to allocate a tight end to. And now when you're talking about that drop-off, instead of it being an Alex Highsmith, that's your number two guy, now he's number one. So now you're looking at Malik Reed, a guy that just jumped on this moving train, and we're going to be looking towards him to try to get Alex Highsmith-level productivity. Not saying that both of those guys aren't, comp- or aren't capable of doing either one, but the probability of that happening is not great right now. So when you talk about guys affected, that back end, they're going to be affected by this. They're going to have to cover a lot longer. But at the same time, I'm looking at guys like Cameron Hayward. I'm looking at guys like Larry Ogunjobi and, once again, Alex Heisman and saying that, hey, man, all three of those guys have to consistently win their one-on-ones. If they do that, that will minimize the loss of T.J. Watt, especially in this matchup. Yeah, I, I agree with all that, and I want to note that the hidden victim in all this is Alex Highsmith because he had three sacks last week. That That's a career high, and it just won't be the same. Uh, if anybody had great momentum yeah. coming out of that game, and who knows, maybe that momentum, Arthur, will enable him to you know pick his game up, but uh, I like him better as Robin than I do as Batman. Oh, of course. At this stage in his career, he's trying to make a case that he can be Batman, but hey, he is definitely more Robin right now. I mean, and this is the first time we've seen him with a three-sack performance as well. So, granted, we're optimistic about it, but we don't know if we can hang our hat on him being that type of player just yet. So that's the part we're going to have to see. But I do like his matchup versus Trent Brown, who is a big man, a strong man, but struggles with speed and, more importantly, trying to bend, which is what Alex Highsmith was winning a lot on uh, towards the end part of last year and obviously some in this uh, past game against the Bengals. All right, if you're a linebacker, give me the straight scoop on the linebackers. Devin Bush played better at Cincinnati. Did he play good or just better than he was? You know the difference. (laughs) Come on now, Mark. Why do you want me to answer that tough question like this, baby? (laughs) Yes, he was better. I'm not saying that he's to that point just yet. But in terms of should you be encouraged, I would say yes. I thought that all three linebackers, in terms of Miles Jack, uh, Devin Bush, and Robert Flynn, yep. I thought all three made plays, all three were productive in their roles. I'm not ready to say, hey, Robert Flynn, we don't need you anymore. Devin Bush, it's all on you. 
I'm still rotating those guys. Until Devin Bush continues to show that he can do some of the things that he did last week and do it on a consistent basis week in and week out, until that happens, I'm still keeping that rotation rolling because I think that Robert Spillane pushes Devin and he won't allow Devin to slack up because Robert Spillane, even though he's limited athletically, he's still one of those guys that's going to do every single thing the coaches want right and it's hard to take him off the field because of that. 100% agree, and it's worth noting that even though they did rotate, the rotation was heavily uh, bent towards Miles Jack playing more. Uh, I think he played Absolutely. 80-some snaps. Spillane played, I think, 30-some, and Bush played 50-some. And I'm beginning to wonder mm-hmm. if Devin Bush isn't one of those guys, Arthur, for whom less is more. Like, if he plays a few less snaps, he plays that much better, where maybe Miles Jack's in the other direction. Yeah, and that very well could be the case. It's unorthodox in the approach because typically when you think of a guy that's 10th overall, you're saying, hey, man, this is a guy that needs every opportunity, every snap, put him out there. But, yeah, you're in a situation where sometimes less is more. And for Devin in particular, that is what it looked like last week. So I'm hoping that if that is the case, we can identify that. And now going forward, we know what to expect because that's the biggest issue with Devin is just the lack of consistency. So when you're trying to game plan, when you're trying to say, hey, this is our identity, this is what we want to do defensively, when you don't know which version is showing up, it limits your ability to do those things. But right now, based on what we saw last week, it's very optimistic right now. So I'm hoping that he continues it. The defense was out there 44 minutes at Cincinnati. Some guys played, <laughs> Arthur, they played 100 snaps. Did you ever play that many yeah, that snaps? Because that's nuts. What's the, what's the most snaps you ever played? Um, the most I played was 92, and that was in college with overtime. Yeah, you don't play that many snaps at the NFL. That was insane, but... You know, you have to tip your cap to the, the, the back-end guys that were out there, guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton, that were not just playing on defense, but were also on special teams, Terrell Edmonds being another one of those guys. Their physical conditioning was certainly on display, but in order for this defense to remain, you know, in the upper echelon, in order for this defense to stay really good while TJ is away, they're going to have to play less snaps. But that is largely predicated on the Steelers' offense being better on third downs. they got to extend drives. That's, you know, the, the base point of this thing if they can extend drives that defense is not going to be out there playing 80 90 plus snaps if they continue to be four for 15 on third downs like they were last week we're going to continue to see a lot more of these 80 90 snap performances and unfortunately this defense is not going to be able to survive that for the duration of the season could minka possibly play any better 14 tackles pick six block the extra point that reminded me of troy that was troy level Oh, no, 100% it was. And if we're seeing in terms of the reality of his productivity and that type of performance, could he duplicate it or improve upon it? It's going to be extremely difficult. But if we're asking from the football perspective of, hey, man, if we're really splitting hairs here, well, yeah, he can get better. I'm sure he'll tell you the first one. He's a guy who looks on tape, and he's going to say, hey, I missed a couple of tackles because I took bad angles on crossing routes. I missed a couple of tackles as I was filling my run gap. He identifies that because he's looking at the same tape I look at, and we're going to look at it in a similar manner. So he's identifying that, and those are some of the areas where he can continue to get better. But you think, this guy had 14 tackles last week, but more so than anything, he was the tone setter. He was the intimidator, the enforcer. Yep. That's the part for me that I haven't seen a lot of that version of Minka. That's the one that I want to see a lot more because that was scary good. Yeah, I don't think he missed too many tackles, Arthur. He made 14. My God, then again, he was out there for 
for 100 snaps. It was just, just crazy. <laughs> hey, you do the math, man. 100 snaps, 14 tackles. There's more meat on the bone. You know that, Mark. Come on now. <laughs> if, I, if I was Mick, I'd go in the locker room and go, look, after 80 snaps, I'm all done. So take that for what it's <laughs> worth. Uh, let, let's, let's try to get, get off a little quicker. Now, have you ever seen an ending as crazy, Arthur, as like uh, the extra point being blocked? on a snap that was so slow it could have been fair caught. I mean, we talk about quarterback injuries, Arthur, but who knew the long snapper, that that determined who won. Listen, special teams matters. That's all I kept screaming. That's what I was most excited about when all of that snafu, missed field goal, blocked field goal situation was going on because it is something that we at times forget about. We understand three phases of football, and it is significant, but we lose sight of it until stuff like that happens. But, yeah, it was one of those scenarios where, as a guy who's been a backup long snapper before, that is the doomsday scenario. You never want to get your number caught when you're the number two snapper because it's not something that you do. You don't work on this thing and practice frequently. It's not like when you're the backup linebacker and you're going to get reps. You know, when you're the backup long snapper, you might do it once or twice in training camp and then maybe a handful of times in the season. But now you can see the importance of it for all the backup snappers out there. Make sure you're working. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Back up. You were the backup long snapper where? No, so not professionally. Let's, cl- let's throw that out there now. But collegially and in high school, I was the backup snapper. And actually, I did get my number called one day, Mark, and it looked just like how my man looked on Sunday. First snap too high, second snap too low, third snap I'm looking at coach saying we gotta go for it, baby. Don't call don't don't call another punt or field goal is not happening. Because the speed of the game is just different, man. What you do it in practice when you know they're really not gonna rush you, they really not gonna block anything, it's a control set. You feel great. It's like riding the AC. But when you're out there on game day, oh man, they might as well just drop you off in a safari and said, Hey man, figure it out. Because that's what it feels like at times, man. So, yeah, I do not look forward to ever going back out there and snapping a ball in my life because, yeah, it's just not good. It's not good at all, Mark. Not good. What, what was your take on the offensive line, Arthur? Because I, I thought it was like a tale of two, two cities. Uh, they, they pass blocked pretty good, couldn't run block at all. I love when you put it as simple as that because that is accurate. Um, I thought pass protection was a lot better than what we saw in the preseason. I thought that the tackles in particular, Dan Moore and Chooks, I thought that both of those guys did good in matchups where they weren't going to have the advantage. We're talking about Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. But when you're talking about the run game, yes, they got to generate a lot more movement. And I think that that was part of the issue in terms of, them just being a successful offense last week. When you're trying to run the ball and you're not averaging more than three yards per carry, you're doomed. You're destined for failure because it's going to force you to have to be one-dimensional. And that's something that our offense right now is not geared for. But with this offensive line, they're, it's, it's the growing pains part. And I look at it as a positive because, hey, going into week one, we didn't know if we could pass block or run block. So at least now going into week two, we feel a little bit better about our pass blocking situation than we did coming out of that Jags game and that Lions game in the preseason. So now I'm just hoping that this run, you know, the running game element can at least take a step in the right direction. Not saying that it has to be perfect, but at least give us something to be more optimistic about because right now it is not looking too good. Let me tell you the two guys they felt bad for an offense. One was George Pickens because after that awesome preseason, he was on the pay no mind list. And the other was Najee Harris. He got hurt, and every time they gave him the ball, he got goozled. He didn't have a chance. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we first started off talking about uh, George Pickens, yeah, 100%, man, they really didn't target him. And I was a little surprised based on how productive he was in the preseason, not just in the games, but more so in practice. He was one of those guys that was essentially unguardable. And I do anticipate them going back to the drawing board and understanding, hey, we need to get him more involved because he is one of our true X factors. And I do think we will see more of that from an intentional standpoint this week. Now, going back to Najee, though, yeah, it looked at times like last year. Him running between, you know, him running behind a brick wall at times or running into a brick wall at times, it just wasn't what we wanted to see. Now, I did like what I saw from Jalen Warren at times. I thought that he provided at least a nice change of pace. But, yeah, for Najee, man, this O-line, they have to give him a little bit more time and allow him to do what he needs to do. But I'm just hoping that he is truly healthy because when you're talking about the running back position, you're talking about feet injuries, Liz Frank and things like that, that's always, you know, a scary thing to deal with for running back. So that's the part for me where I'm be interested to see how healthy he is truly coming into this matchup against the Patriots. I love the way they use the tight ends, Arthur. Uh, Fryermuth got five balls, was targeted ten times in the middle of the field. Key phrase there, middle of the field. Gentry had the one uh, decent gain on the completion. Uh, I think they got to continue to move in that direction. Yeah, I would agree. And part of Pat's productivity and part of Zach Gentry's productivity is a byproduct of this offensive line because we aren't an offensive line that is geared to drop back 40, 50 times and air it out. We are going to have to work those tight ends more. We're going to have to get more creative working the ball over the middle of the field and some of the off schedule screen stuff like we saw with Zach Gentry, who made an awesome play and started just extending the run after catch and stuff like that. I think that both of those guys can be key contributors, but more importantly, Pat Frymouth, I think that we need to target him more. He is one of those guys that's a mismatch. When you watch how he runs routes, when you watch how just consistently he catches the football with his hands, he is one of our best players on offense. And I think that we can continue to run our offense through him until this offense line is where it needs to be. Finally, Arthur, how'd Trubisky play? We haven't talked about the quarterback yet. I saved it for last. How'd he do? To me, man, I thought that he was very inconsistent at times. More importantly, I thought that it was a slow start for him. I liked how he finished the game, though. When you talk about getting into that overtime portion, I thought he hit a couple of throws. The throw of the day, obviously, was with him working the cadence, getting Trey Hendrickson to jump off sides, him fighting out of that tackle, and then ultimately extending the play, hitting Pat Frymouth across the middle for a huge game to put him in field goal position. Those are some of the things where it's like, man – I feel really good about that. I just need to see him take a little bit more chances. I didn't like that he really didn't stretch the field. He barely missed on uh, Miles Boykin. You could say that the DB had a little bit to do with that. Obviously, the George Pickens throw was the worst throw that I saw from him. But to me, I think that he just has to be a little bit more consistent because if he can hit on one or two of these deeper throws in this game, I think it changes how we view him. But more importantly, it will open up so much more for this offense. What's your over-under for Sunday, Arthur? How long is it going to take till the fans start chanting Kenny Pickett's name? Hey, man, you got both. Three seri- th- three plays on offense. That's the over-under. Three plays. <laughs> you know for a fact, if they go three and out, Mark, we're going to be hearing the, we want Kenny, or, or the Boo Birds are coming out. It's one or the other. But either way, three plays is the over-under for me. I agree. It will not take long. Arthur, uh, you always give such great insight, uh, and you're charismatic as heck. Thanks for joining me, and we'll talk again soon, I hope. Hey, looking forward to it. Always a blast with you. That is Arthur Boats, the former Steeler linebacker. I am live at Rivers Casino, the sportsbook specifically, best sportsbook going. Uh, 
Nottingham Forest have cut the Fulham lead to 3-2. They're in injury time. Too much injury time. I wouldn't care except I bet Fulham. We'll have the result when we return. Boy, that's a good tease. Here on 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It'd be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi-polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world. Unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. Fulham holds on. I win exactly 82.50. That's my profit. I always bet in $50 increments because I'm trying to see if I'm smart, not trying to get rich. I'm already rich. Uh, so now I got uh, Holland to score first tomorrow. I got the Steelers to. Uh, I got the Steelers plus two and under 40 and a half in that game Sunday. So let's see how the rest of the weekend goes. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. I find this Steelers season incredibly exciting, but probably not for the reasons you do. And get your calls in, by the way. A bunch of people called during Arthur Motes, who was great as always, uh, and you hung up. What, you thought we were going to interrupt Arthur and put you on? Call back now, 412-333-WXDX. Uh I'm excited about the Steelers season because there's so many variables. I just think there's so many different directions that results could go and that individual player performance could go. I'm very interested to see how the Steelers handle uh, not having T.J. Watt Sunday. We've talked about it all week, but, but, you know, who picks it up? What do they do? Do they move Highsmith to the other side to get a good matchup, as Craig Wolfley said? How does Malik Reed play? What about Jameer Jones subbing in? He's the rotation guy now because the Steelers really do like Jameer Jones as an edge rusher. Does Arthur Millette blitz more from that blitz slot corner? Arthur Millette had a fabulous game playing that Mike Hilton role uh, Sunday at Cincinnati. Hopefully uh, Witherspoon and Edmonds and Minka and who's the other one? I guess Cam Sutton won't have to play upwards of 95, 100 snaps. That's one thing. That, uh, if the offense can do one thing for the defense this Sunday to help out with the absence of T.J. Watt, and it's so basic, so elementary, but you got to hold on to the ball more. You can't let that defense on the field that much. It won't be that much probably ever again this season because I doubt they'll play 10 minutes of overtime, probably might not play overtime again all year long. But... Uh, just so many variables, and if I could pick another thing for the offense to do Sunday besides hold on to the ball, well, I want them to work Friarmouth in the middle of the field again. I want them to evolve Gentry again and go double tight a lot again. But I want to see Pickett's get involved. And one reason for that is because he's a great talent. Look at how he dominated preseason. But here's another reason. And if you're not thinking of this, then you're just not thinking. The one knock on Pickens was that he was a bit of a head case, a bit of a diva wide receiver. We've not seen that yet. But if he keeps not getting the ball after getting it so much in preseason, that could rear its ugly head. Just saying. Not hoping for it, not hating. Just saying. And as I predicted earlier, Mr. Trubisky's going to come out 
and really kill it. You watch. You watch. Really kill it. I saw the B team was talking about if the Steelers need to get revenge for Spygate. Wow, i got to be honest. Have I ever talked about something that lame? Well, actually, I do talk about stuff that lame all the time. But this, in particular, is a Trey LeMay example. People always act like the Steelers and Patriots were a rival during the Ben and Brady era. Maybe the Steelers thought that. Maybe you thought that. But as I've often said, the windshield does not have a rivalry with the bug. Because the Patriots just slapped the Steelers aside pretty much that whole era. Even when the Steelers won their two Super Bowls during that era with Ben, they did not beat the Patriots in a playoff game. They never beat Brady and the Patriots in a playoff game. Uh, And a lot of people seem to romanticize that the Patriots were so good that their dynasty stood in the way of the Steelers winning more Super Bowls. Well, the Patriots uh, only eliminated the Steelers twice in the playoffs during that era. That's it. So it wasn't like the Steelers were great and kept running into the Patriots. The Steelers just didn't do as good as they should have. Well, that's unfair, too, because they did win the two Super Bowls. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. We got Mr. Friday afternoon with the football picks at 530. He went 4-0 last week. He even hit the daily double. So if you want to, like, uh, he, he was supposed to bet for me, so we'll see how that works out. I hope he remembered. If not, he owes me money. And uh, I got no other guests, so let's talk football. Dial 412-333-WXDX. And I reiterate, if you call during Arthur Modes, call now again, because we weren't going to take him off there to put you on. That's really not how this works. 105.90X.